Hello, everyone. Welcome to Three Course Politics Podcast. My name is Hills. And my name is Josh. And uh, welcome to episode nine. Uh, we've been gone for a little bit month, but we are back and better than ever. Is that right? Back with some big, big news, too. Huge, huge news. So first of all, for anyone uh, listening or not familiar with the podcast, uh, we divide our podcast up into three sections, um, like a dinner. Uh, we have the pre-dinner shot, which is a little quiz question of what we're talking about today. We have an appetizer, where it's a topic that we'll be talking about for a short amount of time, um, get you ready for the big conversation. We have the entree, which is what we're going to be talking about for the most of the podcast. And then we have a little bit of dessert, which is something short and sweet. Um, it doesn't always have to be about politics, but usually is. And at the end, we also answer the question that we uh, pose to you at the beginning. So that's the, the basic gist of the podcast. Do you have anything else to add, uh, Josh? No. Uh, just um, we appreciate people who have been listening so far and hope that you continue to listen. And we have a great show today, and we're excited to get started. Yeah, we, we're going to first chat about polls, polls, and more polls, uh, the difference between state and national polling and the recent polling of the Democratic nominees for president. And then our entree is going to be all about the analysis of the, the second debates. Who won? Who lost? What does it mean? What is, why does it matter? And um, how crazy are some of the candidates? Hills, was there a debate uh, this week? I didn't know that. Huh, that's, that's odd. I didn't know yeah, there was a debate. They, nothing happening. Actually, the Bachelor, uh, the Bachelor Bachelorette <laughs> finale was on <laughs> the, the same night. So that's what I was watching. I don't know yeah, what you were I doing. Mean, when we say, you know, we're talking about the, the debates, it's the debate over the Bachelorette. So, well, uh, she didn't choose the right man. Well, she never does. Never does. Okay. Well, uh, so we're going to get into your pre-dinner shot question and it is coming up. All right, so we are here for your pre-dinner shot. This is the question that we will ask before we get started, and we'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast. So your pre-dinner shot question is a two-parter. We're big on two-part questions. So here is your first question. It is, when was the first opinion poll conducted? Okay, the first opinion poll, when was it conducted? And the second part, is what two candidates was the poll asking about? So, when was it conducted and the two candidates that it was talking about? That is your pre-dinner shot, your little question, and your appetizer is coming up next. Great. Thank you, Josh, for the uh, the wonderful and actually really difficult quiz question. I'm very interested to know the answer to that as well. Yeah, it's hard. The appetizer is going to be about... Yeah, <laughs> it's very hard. You, you are uh, the hard level difficulty for that one. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about polling, um, all about polling, and I'm going to give everyone a little of a brief lesson about the basics of polling. I don't know anything about the mechanics of it, so we're not going to talk about that because that involves math, and I can't do math. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's true. Um, Hills, so, should I be taking notes? Yeah. 
Uh, you should be taking notes. You're going to be uh, graded on it at the end of the show. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I want to talk to people about uh, the, this is going to focus on the primary polling. What's the difference between the state and national polling? So you may see all these polls coming out, especially if you're very into uh, looking at uh, political news about how Biden is leading in a lot of polls. And he is leading in a lot of polls. However, he's leading in a lot of national polls. And so there's a difference between national and state level polling. Honestly, um, national polls generally survey the mood of the country. Um, they are taken from different states. It could be sample size of like, you know, if you have 500 people in a poll, it could be that half of them are based in California. It could be a smattering of people from like New York and Florida and anywhere. Um, so it doesn't actually necessarily mean that the polling, the national polls are indicative of where the candidate is in a certain state. And that's where we go into state polls, and which I actually think are the most important. And, you know, caveat, polling can be wrong all the time. We saw that in 2016. Ugh. But, yeah, <laughs> boy, were they wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But <laughs> the ground game, Hills, what about the ground game? Uh, the ground game, uh, I was very high in the ground game back in 2016. Uh, I always said, oh, add a couple more points on the ground game. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hillary's ground game, non-existent. Was non-existent. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> back to state polling. State polling, which I think is actually much more important than national polling, because national polling had Hillary win, winning by a pretty substantial margin, but we, sh we saw that didn't really happen. Um, state polls are polls conducted in that state. So actually, they're probably more indicative of where the candidate is and how they're likely going to win, especially for the Democratic primary. So the past uh, national Democratic polls, Biden is up on real clear politics by an average of 34. Uh, you know, he's he's up. He's up. He has a, a pretty large spread. He's actually up by an average of 15 points. His Support has hovered around 34 to 26, depending on the poll. It's more around high, low 30s. But he's always, um, if you look at all these national polls, he's up. Um, and then usually comes Warren or Sanders, depending on the poll. And Harris has crept up as well. And Buttigieg has hovered around 6 to 5. So not really good for him comparatively. But we're going to look at the state polling for a moment. Um, and I'm going to pull up Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, um, but my computer's being very slow. But here we go. Here's New Hampshire, loaded the quickest. New Hampshire's a little bit interesting. So Biden leads at all of them, but Warren is actually pretty close, beating Bernie more recently um, uh, on some of these polling. I mean, he's, he's up by like 3 to 7% in these polls. So the New Hampshire primary shows a very different primary than Biden up by 15 in nationally. Right. Right. Um, and that might matter. Right. Sorry, Hill, that might matter because um, when it comes to these kind of pollings, if you only pay attention to the national polling, you might think, oh, Biden's got it in the bag. When it comes to individual state polling, uh, which can sometimes influence the national polls, and you see the race is much closer, you realize, oh, maybe Biden is not up by as much as we thought originally. Exactly. It also shows to see, you know, which candidates kind of breaking through. Uh, South Carolina just loaded for me and Biden is up by a humongous percent, probably because of his his relationship and his, his knowledge with the people who vote most in the South Carolina Democratic primary, which is the African-American vote. 
Um, he's up by a big margin, and that is actually very indicative to see how his strength is doing. Because if he goes down in South Carolina, that means something is actually wrong with his candidacy um, and his, his core base of support. And lastly, we have Iowa, which is a really, really close one. There haven't been that many polling out polls out. Biden is still up, but I've recently seen um, some some polls where uh, Warren is like neck and neck with with Biden. Um, doesn't look like the Real Clear Politics website actually has that um, in its in its polling section. But um, you know, I actually think if you're looking at polling, state polling is where you need to be looking at, not national polling. Yeah, I think that all sounds correct. Um, you know, I, I think that with the uh, polling in, in Iowa, Iowa is a caucus state, so it runs things a little different than other than other um, you know primary states. So, but Iowa is a big one to keep uh, an eye on, not only because it's the first one, but because if someone does very well in Iowa, who's unexpected, maybe it's Pete Buttigieg, maybe it's uh, Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker. Um, that could propel them to do well uh, throughout the remaining uh, primaries and stuff and could kind of get them uh, moving in, in the right direction if they weren't supposed to do very well. Yeah, that's a really good point. The momentum is really key, especially in those early primary states, because it's not always the case. But if you don't win the first four by any standard, you really got to have some ace up your sleeve because you your momentum is now shot. It's the new cycle the money, the excitement is all about who won and who came in like the first or second place or third place in those primaries. Yeah. Um, if you're coming in sixth or fifth place in those primaries um, and it's already after you've had all these debates and you still can't get your message through, you're pretty much done. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also want to talk about likely likely voter and registered voter models of polling because um, I think it's important. Um, and you... and. If you're into polling, you'll likely see the LV or RV on some of these polls when you actually look at them. Um, again, I'm not talking about like the way that the polls are done. I'm talking about what it means when it has LV or RV. Registered voter means that the poll, when they ask these people on the phone, because who answers the phone anymore, right? <laughs> who answers landline polling? Um, when, when pollers ask, about, ask people for their thoughts, they are registered. They're not asking whether they're likely to vote. They're asking, are you registered to vote? Which is a much larger segment of the population than if you were asked if you were likely to vote. Likely voter polls, which they tend, registered voter polls tend to favor Democrats a little bit more because there's a broader swath of people who are registered and more likely than not, there are more registered Democrats in particular states than Republicans are. Um, not all the states, some states probably where they're getting their sample size from likely voter models are if they ask this person are you how likely are you to vote in the next election and they probably answer something like i'm gonna vote no matter what they're primed to vote and sometimes that skews a little bit back towards the balance and even more republican because more republicans are more likely to vote because they have the shit together right so um that's what you see and so when you see a lot of these early polls earlier polls are more registered voter models and later polls closer to the election are more likely voter models because they're trying to model how the electorate is going to look because not everyone votes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that that, that makes complete sense. And, um, you know, it's 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 one of those things that I think in the 2016 people would kind of freak out about. They say, oh, look, amongst registered voters or likely voters, 
Hillary's up by 10 or 12 points, and, you know, th- that difference between the LV and the RV does make a huge difference. Uh, and so it's important to keep that in mind and the way that, that they skew um, when you're looking at polls. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and last thing uh, I want to talk about here, um, Josh, what does this recent polling say about the state of the race that we just went over? Um, it says that nobody knows what's going on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the general consensus is that there is a front pack that it consists of Biden, Warren, Sanders, Harris, and Buttigieg are probably the five big front runners. Everyone else is trying to, uh, still make a name for themselves, which is a problem when you have a candidate like Kirsten Gillibrand, who's trying to make a name for herself, but, uh, just can't. Um, and so what it means going forward is if after the second debate you see those top five people are unchanged, it really means that we're going to see that debate stage start to dwindle and we're going to start seeing candidates drop out, which uh, does segue into our entree. I did want to just say, Hills, uh, based on the two latest polls from Iowa, both of these were taken right before the second debate. Um one poll had Warren at 24%, Biden at 23%, Harris at 12 Sanders 11 Buttigieg was 7 Booker and Beto were both at 2%. And the other one had Biden at 24 uh, Sanders at 19 Warren at 17 Harris at 16 Buttigieg 7 Klobuchar 4 Booker 3 Castro and Steyer were both at 2 1% was John Delaney, Sestak, Gillibrand, and Hickenlooper. Everyone else was at 0%. So. Wow, Sestak registered. That's crazy. In one of the polls, yeah. The key there, though, is that Biden was at 23% and then 24%. So not a huge discrepancy. Uh, that was all before the latest debate, but that seems to be Biden's uh, ceiling is about 23 24%. Yeah, that's pretty big, and I think it's. Um, I don't know whether that other poll where Warren was ahead was an outlier or not, but um, it really shows that she's got some core base of support. And a thing to watch that we'll talk about in a moment is that you know who's going to win it? It's Bernie or Warren at some point, mm-hmm. and who's going to win? The, what's going to happen when it gets closer to these uh, these caucuses and these primaries? Um, because um, there can only be so many votes. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for the appetizer. I think your entree is coming up next. So we are dealing with your entree. The entree is all about our analysis from the second debate. Apparently, Hills, there was a a debate this week, so we should probably talk about it. There was a debate? What? The The Bachelorette. I mean, come on. I don't think anyone's going to get too upset if you told them that we were watching The Bachelorette instead of watching the debates. So Our listeners are big Bachelorette fans. <laughs> and so are we, obviously. So, um, All right. So, night one. Night one. Um, night one was uh, on Tuesday at around uh, 8 p.m. They were both on CNN. I was a little disappointed that Anderson Cooper was not asking people questions because I love me some some Coop, but you know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll be okay. 
Um, I have a theory about that, by the way, if you want to. Yes. Please um, please tell me. uh, I have a theory, and we were talking about it here, um, that they didn't want his reputation to get tarnished because he's the face of CNN. And if there were blowback or anything else, they didn't want his, like, reputation among viewers to get tarnished by asking questions that may or may not have been skewed. Wow. Wow. That is a big prediction. And I got to tell you, Hilsey, I love it. This <laughs> is what it. you say. I love it. If it's what you say, in the words of Don Jr., if it's what you say, I love it. Um, all right. So who was on the debate stage on Tuesday? So we have uh, Montana Governor Steve Bullock. We have the mayor of South Bend, Pete Buttigieg. We have former Maryland Representative John Delaney. We have former Governor of Colorado, John Hickenlooper. We have the senator from Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar. We have former representative from Texas, Beto O'Rourke. We have Congressman Tim Ryan. We have Senator Bernie Sanders. We have Senator Elizabeth Warren. And we have author, writer, and spiritual guide, Marianne Williamson. So those were our candidates. Um, And I think Hills and I both agree that Warren, Pete Buttigieg, and unfortunately, Sanders were uh, very, very strong in this uh, debate on n- night one. Um, I think that uh, Warren continued her hot streak from her first uh, debate. And, you know, it's she's tough to debate against because everything she has, she, she has a plan for. She doesn't get overly angry, overly flustered. She just is very consistent about what she does and her plan for stuff. Uh, Pete was also the same way. He had some very good answers about race, had some very good answers, um, about, uh, you know, guns and, and, uh, he made his age an issue, which I think is important for him. Um, and Bernie Sanders, people had criticized, including us, that Bernie Sanders didn't really seem to care much during, uh, the first debate. And he really, uh, came out with a spark and had some great one-liners, um, in the first debate. Anything stick out to you, Hills, about uh, Sanders or Warren or Pete? Uh, you you just said it. I mean, Warren is she's so intelligent. I think she might be the most intelligent candidate that the Democrats have in terms of just like knowledge and smarts and like policy oriented. I mean, I I can't even think of anyone else who might be more intelligent than her. Yeah. Um, she's so good. She's so so good, and. Um, you know, I thought Bernie, I don't know. I mean, he definitely realized, I think his campaign was like, you got to perform because your base is leaving you. Um, <laughs> uh, Pete was good. Um, I'm just waiting to see, you know, Pete needs a moment where he, mm-hmm. I mean, if he's if he's still 5 to 7% in these polls, that's not going to win him the nomination. He was good. No. He was very good. And I think he's got mm-hmm. a big following. But he's got to do something that really gets him to, like, the top. Yeah. Um I also want to talk about Steve Bullock for a second. Governor of Montana was not in the first debate because he waited so long to get into the game. Um, I was impressed with him. I think he's someone that moderates can get behind. Um, he seemed kind of like folksy, kind of just like very relaxed. But he, he, I think he had a very strong debate. For someone who had not been on the stage before, I think he did a really nice job of presenting who he is and why he's running. I thought his message was good. Now, I don't know. I think he probably got into the game too late. 
to really make a huge difference. But it was very interesting to see him up there and see what you know he was all about. Uh, I was glad that he made the debate stage over Mike Gravel. Oh hell yeah! Uh, on on Bullock, um, I was impressed but also disappointed. And the disappointed part was because he has the real opportunity to present himself as like the other Joe Biden or the other Kamala Harris. Mm. And I thought he was a little, he was good, but he also wasn't like, he seemed like he was having a little too much fun or he was like a little like, mm. ah, this is fine. Like I would have wanted if like he came out real hard, like real serious, real hard, which I don't think he quite did. I mm. think he would have been like, holy crap, who's this guy? And like, I kind of right. like him. He kind of was a little like, uh, non-serious a little bit. Yeah. He came up to me and I don't, and if he's really whining, he whined and complained about not being on the first stage and he comes out with like a performance that was like good, but like he needed to be great if he's going to get ahead in the polls. Well, at least he didn't have a John Delaney performance. Oh, God. <laughs> Hills and I were talking about John Delaney. And if you didn't know who John Delaney was at the first debate, you know who he is now because, man, he came out and was punching people and was looking for a fight and was basically doing the job of Donald Trump, uh, trying to pit the Democrats against each other and this and that. And that was tough. Um, but he didn't have a great debate. He just looked too aggressive. He looked too like he was looking to fight, not something that Democratic voters are going to really gravitate towards. Uh, John Hickenlooper was very blah. Didn't really know he was on stage. Same with Tim Ryan. Klobuchar was fine, but she she fails to have that like that punch of like, oh, she's so good. Um, I think she's smart, but I just don't think she's uh, I think she's a little bit out of her league with everyone else who's up there. Uh, Beto, I've been very disappointed with Beto O'Rourke. Um, you know, I think he had his moment where he was this big to do candidate, and everyone was very excited about Beto and. Uh, you know, he's going up against Ted Cruz, but he he lost to Ted Cruz. I just don't see how he thinks he can be the president when he loses to Ted Cruz, who is perhaps more unlikable than Donald Trump. Yeah, I've been really, I've been, I've been uh, really disappointed in Beto. I think he does great on the trail, but his debate performances have been really lackluster. They've been lackluster. I I don't know what his plan is or what his niche is going to be here but he needs to figure something out and yeah. on the delaney point i agree with you uh he didn't he came in with the wrong reasons and honestly i think the reasons why we think sanders pete and and warren have done the best in this debate is because and this goes along with night two there are some people on stage who just want to score points who just want to make a name for themselves and there are mm -hmm. other people you really feel the force in their their convictions you really feel that they want this they want to do this they want to enact this policy they really mean and want to create change and those are the people like those are the real deal you know those people are gonna like that's why people like them people don't care for delaney because he doesn't it showed that he didn't really like he can he can disagree with medicare for all you don't have to fucking destroy and delaney just didn't believe in what he was saying he just wanted to rip things down and not care and again you don't have to be against you can be against some of these policies but not absolutely destroy them and i thought that was bad yeah and i will talk about marianne williamson before we move to night two marianne williamson was her usual crazy self 
Uh, she talked about the dark psychic force. Um, and she was very strong on her $500 billion um, reparation proposal. Uh, so Marion Williamson's crazy does not need to be anywhere near the Oval Office. People were clapping for her. I think that was mostly just because people were uh, looking for some uh, entertainment. So um, move on to night two. Night two uh, on the stage, you had uh, you had Colorado Senator Michael Bennett. You had former Vice President Joe Biden. You had Hills' favorite candidate, uh, Mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio. That's a joke. Hills does not like Bill de Blasio. He's fine. <laughs> you had uh, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. You had former HUD Secretary Julian Castro. You had Representative from Hawaii, Tulsi Gabbard. You had Senator from New York, Kirsten Gillibrand. Senator from California, Kamala Harris. Governor of Washington, Jay Inslee. And entrepreneur and businessman, Andrew Yang. Hashtag Yang Gang. Yang Gang. <laughs> um, at night two, there weren't nearly as many people who did very, very well. Uh, the overall winner, I thought, was Cory Booker. Uh, I'm a big fan of Senator Booker. I liked him when he was mayor of Newark. And his candidacy has kind of just been very blah. But he came out and he hit Biden hard. He had the, uh, there's a saying in my neighborhood about you, you're dipping the Kool-Aid and you don't know the flavor. You had to think about you can't have both with Obama. Booker was very, very strong. The message of love and peace is gone. And Booker just kind of showing how smart he is because he was a Rhodes Scholar. Um, so Booker's a very smart guy. He had a very strong campaign. And Julian Castro has, has had two very strong debate performances going up against Bernie, going up against Biden and Harris. Um, he was very impressed with, with Castro. He's certainly making a name for himself. Don't be surprised if you start to see him rise in the polls. Um, but besides Booker and Castro, I think everyone else was pretty weak. Yeah, I, Booker, Booker had such a good night. I mean, Booker... He was prepared. He had good counterpunches. His counterpunches, as you just said, were not mean or nasty. They were just they they drew out the the weakness of the other person without actually insulting them. He had um, his responses were fine. They weren't like impeccable responses, but um, he just he was lively. He showed that he wanted it. You can sense that he really meant it. He had a fantastic night and i you know he's annoyed me throughout a little bit of his campaign i thought his his initial messages were really weak and they still may be but he performed really well on the stage he seemed like he was having fun uh up there when joe biden attacked him on his uh record as the mayor of newark he knew that was coming and he handled it so well he kind of laughed a little bit like he was having a good time which uh, is important. I think he's someone to also w w watch out for. Uh, in terms of people who were not good, pretty much everyone else, um, Harris and Biden were both very, very weak. They both landed some punches. Biden was stronger than I think his first performance. It was hard for him to be less strong than his first performance, but um, Biden was, was strong, I think, in some aspects, but he, I mean, he was just getting hammered over and over and over and over again. Uh, and that, that's tough. It takes a toll. And 
His responses sometimes were okay. He 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 crushed De Blasio. He crushed Gillibrand, but Castro got one in on him. Booger got one in on him. Harris landed a few punches on him. I mean, you know, he's taking some punches, and he really needs to prepare better for these debates. I don't know if you have any thoughts about Biden Hills. Uh, I, I, I I don't know what everyone else was saying. I thought Biden had a terrible night, honestly. He is the former vice president of the United States. He debated twice against two other political candidates for the vice presidency. He should know, and he's been doing this since the 70s. I mean, he had a terrible night. He was on the defense. He took everything so personally. Um, I mean, I don't think he realized everyone's here. This is, it's a game. It's not, I, I, these people don't actually dislike him. They want to win. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to do something to your candidacy. They were playing the game, and he wasn't ready for this. Um, I thought his answers were weak. I thought he didn't show why he meant it. He didn't have any of his good themes about the middle class. Um, I remember back uh, a couple of years ago, it was a year or two ago, he was he was helping someone in Pennsylvania for um, uh, the Congress seat. I forgot the guy's name. He won last year um, in Western Pennsylvania. And he was like, to these union members, he was like, you own the sidewalk. You built the sidewalk. This is your sidewalk. And it was, it was in the context of a speech he was given, but it was so good. It was so good. And he, there was none of that up there. And I don't know if he has a really bad performance again. I mean, he needs to go back to his themes. He needs to go back to why he's running. He needs to go back to how his plans are better than everyone else and what he's running for. Like, he, was, he played too much defense. You know, parry the attack. Power of the attack, transforming something you talk about, and honestly, if you made a mistake, you made a mistake. You can and, and the Obama stuff, like don't hide behind Obama. I'm really sorry. Like I think the response of like I'm not going to tell you what he thought about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine, but you you can't just say I was Barack Obama's vice president. Yeah, we all know you were. You got to talk about yourself. It's about what Biden is going to do as president, not what Obama did. Yeah, I think that, that that's absolutely right. Um, you know, in a lot of things that, that you said, I think he was, he was, I think he was better than the first debate because he had a, a little fight in him. Like he didn't just let people shit, shit all over him. Uh, but he certainly wasn't the Joe Biden who basically saved Obama's 2012 campaign when he went against Paul Ryan. And even though people thought like, oh, he's laughing at Paul Ryan, blah, blah. But he, he, he cared at least. And he was very, very good. And it's it's not the same. We'll we'll get into Biden in a little bit, um, but Harris I thought struggled a lot. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard basically just tore Harris apart uh, on her record as a prosecutor. With you know she put people in jail for mar- uh, marijuana usage and then she laughed about it. I think there's a video somewhere of circulating of of her doing something like that. Um, and and Harris for long parts of the debate was was not um, she wasn't present. I forgot she was on stage at a couple of points because you went like twenty five minutes without saying anything. Um, you know, I uh, I was very surprised from that with Harris. Yeah, it was it was when she got attacked a little bit. She wasn't quite ready for the attacks, which is crazy because I thought you you know the first thing you do in debate prep is probably prepare for the things that people are going to comment against you. Yeah. Um, she started out strong, and then she kind of withered to the background, and, mm-hmm. and I think the Booker is going to pick up support from Biden and Harris on this one. Yeah. Going through the other candidates, Michael Bennett, uh, he, he was okay. He was fine. He wasn't great. I think he's a smart guy. I just don't think he has uh, what it takes to um, w- win the presidency. 
That being said, I think he is a smart person, um, but he's very blah. Uh, Bill de Blasio is terrible. Um, he's just up there just trying to attack people. I didn't care for his performance. Uh, talked about Booker and Cash were both good. Gabbard was fine. You know, she had the great thing of uh, attacking Kamala. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand, I thought she was terrible. I thought she was absolutely terrible. You can tell her campaign is in trouble. Uh, she was definitely caught sleeping or not zoning out or something. When someone asked her questions, she was like, um, what? Uh, so that wasn't great for her. Um, that was so bad. That was pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> Jay Inslee, you know he's all about climate. I think he has a good climate plan, but he's certainly not ready to be president. And Yang was better. I thought Yang was, was, was better than first performance. He got more speaking time. Uh, and some of his talking points stuck, but um, I, 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 you know, I think it's a failed. Uh, sorry to my Yang Yang members out there, but I think it's it's a failed attempt at this point. So, um, anyways, yeah. Um, on Yang, he had a good, really good message on AI mm-hmm. and about automation, and I thought that was something that is actually different from the other candidates who haven't said a single thing about that. Right. Um, the Gillibrand moment, jeez. I mean, that was so bad. Yeah. That was so bad. It was um, really It bad. just showed that it just, she wasn't, you, you spend all that time and money to be up there on the stage and you're not even paying attention to what's going on. Like, it just shows, it just shows, like, everyone has those moments, sure. But, like, honestly, you're running for president of the United States. You don't get the benefit of the doubt there. It just showed that, like, if you really were in and wanted to talk about your side, like, Again, like the the lack of conviction in some of these candidates, like they just are ready to stand there and just not, you know. Yeah. If you really wanted to be president, you would be in the debate. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what does this mean? We've talked a little bit about some of these things, um, but it means a couple of things. It means I think we saw from night one and two that the field is splitting. I think that you have your front pack, you have your bottom pack. Um, it's also splitting in terms of if you are very liberal or if you are more moderate. You have your liberal candidates. You've got Bernie. You've got Warren. Um, those are the main two um, who are very, very liberal. Um, other people agree on versing. Those are your two uh, very liberal candidates. But you've also got your middle of the road. You've got your Bullocks, your Bidens, your Bennetts. Uh, and then you got people who are trying to destroy the Democratic Party, and you've got your John Delaney and your Bill de Blasio uh, and your Tim Ryan a little bit. So the field is definitely splitting, um, as to be expected. We've now had two debates. We're uh, five, six months from the Iowa caucus, maybe a little more. Um, so you would expect the party to split a little bit. Um our big, the big takeaway is that Biden is in danger. Um, this goes back to your polls or earlier hills. Um, yeah, in the general election, Biden is still doing very, very well. But the general election doesn't talk about uh, individual debate performances. I'm very curious to see what his polling is like in the next couple of days. But do you agree, Hills, that Biden is in danger? Yep, I totally agree. I think um, I think his polling is going to go more down, and I think um, it. This is his primary to lose, and he's losing it. Oh yeah, he's definitely losing it. Um, and I think some people 
thought that the nomination would be locked down by Biden, that he would basically have it in the bag, and that's that's not the case. Warren's making a very strong case. Harris is making a strong case. Booker and Castro both had great nights. Bernie's back from the dead. Um, the nomination is not locked down, and because it's not locked down, you're going to have polling that's going to be all over the, the, the place. Um, you're going to see, and that's why I think, Hills, you're talking about polling in the appetizer was important, but also really looking at state polling. You can show me all the national polling that you want, but it just won't matter um, until we start seeing states and delegates and all that stuff. If Joe Biden continues to have a solid lead in South Carolina, that's going to be big for him, but he still has to show up well in New Hampshire and Iowa. Um, so polling is going to be crazy. And the, the final thing about what this means is that Democrats have to get their shit together on messaging. Um, the moderators for CNN love to play like, oh, let's, let's, I mean, Hills, it was kind of like the, the Bachelorette. It was kind of pitting people against <laughs> each other. It was, getting the rose. It was, it was, you know, looking at Warren saying, well, you know, so-and-so said this about you directly. Are they saying that you're not qualified to be president? Um, I know we like to shit on her, but I actually liked what Marianne Williamson said in one of her responses when someone said, do you think Senator Warren is saying that you're not ready for fight on, to fight on health care? And Marianne Williamson said, I don't think Warren said that about me directly. Because she didn't. <laughs> she didn't say that about her directly. Uh, and then she talked about, you know, dark psychic forces and she lost me. Um, but uh, but I think Democrats need, need to con- continue to remind voters that while we have some slight differences on health care, we are the party that wants to give you health care. You want to give more people health care. Republicans want to take it away. And Cory Booker did a great job of that um, on the second night. Warren did a nice job of it. But you have to keep reminding people and say, you know, there's, there's not a lot of discrepancy between most people on this field. And John Delaney will stand up and say some bullshit. And so will uh, Bill de Blasio. But for most people, most serious contenders, there's not a huge discrepancy. And we need to continue to remind voters that regardless of who you select, that person's going to fight for you to have health care. I don't know if you have any other takeaways. I think think that's that's right. They have to get their, their, their crap together on messaging. I mean... Trump has very simple messaging. Democrats need very simple messaging. They need to tell people why they want to be president and how their lives are going to be better at the end of the day. Because right now, talking about the differences between Pete Buttigieg's health care and Elizabeth Warren's health care is good right now. But in, 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 as we get forward, people need to understand what that means for them. And I don't think they've done a great job of saying that. And I will say about CNN, I didn't like all the conflict they tried to make. But I thought they had a much better substantive debate, which showed the difference between the candidates. So I will give them that. I think their crappy questioning actually showed the divide between people. And that's okay, because I think you're allowed to see the difference between who you're voting for. Yeah, so, absolutely. I um, thought that was good. We'll do a quick uh, section about what it means for September. So there are updated standards for the September debate. Um, and the September uh, debate... Uh, you have to have both things. You have to have both of these of, of these qualities um, if you want to be on the debate stage. You have to be polling above uh, at two percent or above. So you have to have at least two percent 
of uh, in I think it's four or five polls you have to have two percent in, um, and you also have to have I think it's a hundred and. 130,000, I think it's 130,000, 120,000, somewhere in, the, in those, in that range. You have to have 120, 130,000 new followers, or just followers in general, who are donating to your uh, campaign. Um, as of right now, we have eight candidates who have qualified for that debate, and we have a couple candidates that are very close. So uh, Joe Biden has qualified, Pete Buttigieg has qualified, Kamala Harris has qualified. Bernie Sanders has qualified. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has ha, has qualified. Uh, those five candidates were the first candidates to to qualify. They qualified in early June. Uh, Beto O'Rourke was the second candidate to qualify. He qualified in uh, late-ish June, uh, and then you had um, Cory Booker. He he qualified um, in late July. Uh, and then recently qualified was Amy Klobuchar. She qualified as of yesterday. She met the uh, polling data, or sorry, she met the donor criteria uh, to qualify. We have three candidates now. So someone's been added. Someone was added as of yesterday. Three candidates who are very, very close. They have the donor criteria. They just don't have the polling criteria. Uh, Julian Castro is one poll away from qualifying. Uh, Andrew Yang is one poll away from qualifying, and Tulsi Gabbard is uh, three polls away from qualifying. So we could be looking at a field that has 11 candidates, 10 candidates, and if you don't make the third debate, then you should really just fold. Um, I think that those eight candidates at least are both uh, deserving of being on the, the, the debate stage in September. I would like to see Julian Castro make it. I'd also like to see Andrew Yang make it. I think uh, his thing, whole thing about AI is very interesting. Um, but I'm pretty good with those 10 candidates. I don't think I need to see anyone else. Is, anyone, is, there, is there anyone that you're dying to see up there that I did not mention? Definitely not Delaney. I'd actually like to give Bullock a second chance. Mm -hmm. Not that I agree with everything he says. I'd like to see... Because honestly, if he... I think he, you know, if he doesn't perform at the second debate, then, you know, that's it for him. But I actually like to see him up there because um, I think he deserves a second shot. Um, I'd also like to see Inslee up there too. I think his climate stance is really refreshing. Um, he looked he he had a pretty good outfit on. Uh, <laughs> he looked pretty he looked pretty suave. He looked like he was ready to be president. Um, but other than that, I think I think it's Bullock and, and Inslee I'd like to see up there. Yeah. Definitely not Delaney. Not Delaney. <laughs> not Delaney. Uh, yeah, Jansley brought out his glasses. And uh, they might have made the world difference. We'll see. Um, but the polling uh, ends for this. I think it's. I don't have the exact date. I know it's late August. I want to say August twenty fourth. Uh, and if you don't get it by August twenty fourth, then that's the cutoff date. Uh, and the third debates are September twelfth and thirteenth. But they've uh, said. I think it's uh, ABC who, who's hosting it. They have said. That uh, there are fewer than uh, 10 candidates. They will just do one night. If there are 11 candidates, be very curious to see how they do that because that would make things very interesting. Um, uh, yeah, Delaney can be gone. Marianne Williamson needs to disappear. Uh, Tim Ryan, get out of here. Bill, Bill de Blasio, goodbye. John Hagenluber, goodbye. M Michael Bennett, see you later. Um, I think that's... 
and then anyone who obviously hasn't made the debate stage yet also needs to drop out. So there's summer. There's summer flings. There's summer and, uh, flings. Summer's over. Summer flings and summer is rapidly coming to a close as every day in the calendar continues to remind me that I'm one step closer to returning to school. So, all right, uh, uh, I think that was a pretty good entree, Elsie. Yeah, yeah, we have some uh, some fun dessert coming up for you. We have a very sweet dessert for you today. We're going to do round two of naming all the candidates that are running for president of the United States, the Democrats, not the Republicans. Um, and then we're also going to say when we think that candidate will drop out of the race if they do drop out. So I'm going to go first. And last time, if you remember correctly, I beat Josh. So maybe it won't God. happen that way. Yeah. So my first candidate is um, Tim Ryan. That was actually going to be my first candidate. <laughs> okay. When is he dropping out? Oh, right. He is going to drop out in September. Okay. Um, my candidate is going to be Seth Moulton, who is somehow still in the race, and he will drop out in September. Uh, I think that's good. Marianne Williamson, she's going to drop out in November. Wow, you give it her till November. Yeah. Okay. Um, Andrew Yang will drop out after the Iowa caucus. Bold, bold. Tulsi Gabbard, she's going to drop out after the Iowa caucus in January. Okay. Uh, we'll go John Hickenlooper. Uh, he's going to drop out in November. Wow, I think he's going to drop out much sooner. Um, Michael Bennett, he's going to drop out in December. In December, okay. Uh, John Delaney is going to drop out in September. Um, we have Mike Ravel is still running, and he is. he's, he's going to drop out uh, next month in September. September. Okay. Uh, Wayne Messam, the guy that I missed last time, uh, he will drop out in January. Ooh, you're still still hot about Wayne. <laughs> he's gonna stay in, and no, when he drops out, like, wait, who? Who is that? He'll be the, one of the last guys standing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Joe Sestak is gonna drop out in October. October, okay. I th I think Tom Steyer is gonna drop out after the Iowa caucus. Ooh, forgot about him. Um, who else do we have left? We have lots of people left. Uh, Julian no, Castro. No cheating, Hilsey. No, cheating. no, I'm not cheating. Not cheating. Julian Castro is going to drop out in February. 2020. February. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, Cory Booker is going to drop out, uh, I will say, I'm going to say at the end of Super Tuesday in March. Okay. And caveat, these are all, like, if the candidate doesn't win, obviously. Right, right, right. Um, who do we have left? We have a couple people left. Um, I think Kamala Harris is going to drop out after Super Tuesday in March as well. Okay. Um, I think Sanders will take it all the way to June. 
like he did last time. Yep. Bullock is going to drop out after the Iowa caucus. Okay. Um, Bill de Blasio. De Blasio will drop out in September. <laughs> he can return to New York where no one likes him anyway. <laughs> Nobody likes him. Yeah. Um, Jay Ensley is going to drop out. He's going to drop out in October of this year. October. Okay. Um, Amy Klobuchar, she will drop out after the Iowa caucus. I was going to say Klobuchar. You took her. Took her away. <laughs> boy, it's getting harder now. Um, yep. Boy, uh, Warren if she doesn't win the nomination, I think she's got a real shot, is going to drop out in May, April or May 2020. Uh, I'm going to say April, April. Okay, April, April. Uh, Joe Biden is, again, he doesn't win the, the nomination. We'll take it all the way to the, to the uh, DNC. He will drop out in June. If he doesn't win the nomination, that is. Uh, we've wow. got 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. We got 22 candidates, and there are two more, and I don't know <laughs> if I know them. <laughs> I know them. Oh, God. Oh, boy. A repeat but, of last time. <laughs> give me one, and then give me a chance to make it up. Well, it's my yeah, it's my turn, right? I yeah. Think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Oh my god! He is going to drop out in April 2020. Mayor Pete goes to April. Oh man, this is for legitimately all the marbles. Oh god. Oh no. You're going to kick yourself. You are going to kick yourself, listeners. Uh, you probably all know who it is, and you can email us at threecoursepolitics at gmail dot com uh, after this, saying uh, saying how how could he do how could he uh, miss this guy? Who am I oh, oh, we're missing two. We're missing two. Oh, Beto, Beto work. You have not named him yet. Yes, that was the one yes, I was thinking yes, of. Yes. We actually just missed another one. To be honest with you. Uh, Beto O'Rourke will drop out um, after South Carolina. After the South Carolina primary is when he's going to drop out. Uh, okay, who else are we, we, we missing else? I think we missed Kirsten Gillibrand. Oh, you were right. You are right. She's going to drop out after. Uh, I Honestly, part of me thinks she's going to drop out in the fall, but the other part of me thinks that she won't. she'll have too much pride. I think she will drop out either in December. I think she's going to drop out in December. And there is not another candidate, so I did not lose. So no one lost because. No uh, oh, you were on the you were on the ropes. Oh, I was listeners. I've never been more scared in my entire life than when I did not. I couldn't remember Brad Beto. I could see him on the stage. Whew! All right, that was close. I was going to have to. Stop doing the podcast if I couldn't name Beto. (laughs) Beto was the guy I was thinking of, if that was helpful. Alrighty. That was fun. Um, You have your quiz answer coming up right now. 
Okay, now it is time for your uh, pre-dinner shot answer. You've been waiting the entire podcast to get the answer because I made it so incredibly hard. You had no idea what I was talking about. So here is the answer. The question, again, was a two-parter. It was, uh, when was the first opinion poll conducted? And what two candidates was it talking about? So, uh, the answer. The first opinion poll was created in 1824. That's when my research shows it was done. And the poll showed that Andrew Johnson was beating John Quincy Adams 335 votes, 269 votes. So uh, this is during the election. I think this was probably a poll before the election. And it showed that Andrew Johnson was more popular than John Quincy Adams. Who won that election? Was it JQA, as we call him? As we call him, I'm doing a very quick check. Uh, the who the person who won the 1824 presidential election it was JQA, John Quincy Adams. Wow, so that poll was real off. That poll was but very off. I it was something something weird happened that one. I think the House decided it or something like that. Yeah, it was a weird thing. So, uh, yeah. So there is uh your uh the answer to your uh your pre dinner shot. And uh, I think that's going to do it for us, Hills. Um, before you guys leave, a few quick messages. If you enjoy our podcast, please hit that subscribe button on your podcast app. Uh, it really helps us get the word out. Maybe leave a uh, little review for us. Uh, that would also be great. Uh, tell your friends to listen to uh, Three Course Politics Podcast. And if you can, please share this episode on all types of social media. Yeah, and I think that would be super helpful on social media. And if you want to donate, you can go to the info section on the episode uh, of whatever podcast app or way that you're listening. Um, you can help us keep the pod going, and hopefully we may have some ads soon. Um, if you have any questions, you can email us at threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Um, again, hit the subscribe button. Tell your friends. Rate us five stars, please. It will help. You don't want um, any one-star ratings. Only five stars. Only five. Just, uh, just Maybe four, but <laughs> but definitely five. <laughs> uh, and thank you all for listening. We're so we're so grateful, and we'll be back soon. All right, bye everyone. Bye.